Chapter 11 Yalmos lift system was installed into the Caves of the Damned. Mining automations worked ceaselessly for months, boring a new shaft straight down. A series of cables and pulleys conveyed a huge platform through the shaft. No graceful invasion of glacions. This ugly rig has been designed by Dungus, the same artificer who invented the Powerstone commode called by the same name. Elevator and Dungus served the same function, hurling the refuse of Halcyon below. The first batch of quarantine patients to ride the lift arrived atop a load of lumber. Six men, three women, and a boy huddled along the straining cables that lowered the elevator. It was a precarious perch. Once when the contraption lurched, a man fell between the elevator and the shaft. He was minced by the obvious machine. His remains tumbled away into darkness. At the bottom, he was only a warm pulp on the floor. Gix and his crew stood just beyond that pulp. The elevator squealed and shuddered. Splinters fluttered down amid a fine rain of wood dust and stone grit. With a final few jolts, the lift struck the ground. Lumber slumped sideways. Into bindings broke. Boards and refugees spilled from the elevator into the muck. Clear away the slumber! Get them out! Gix shouted. He yanked up the plaques and threw them aside, clawing his way to hands and faces. Two of these men were unconscious, and their heels dragged tracks behind them as they were pulled free. One woman had a broken ankle. Two others walked away unscathed. The boy survived, and the three other men, who limped from the wreck. Gix found one other item among the blood-soaked planks. A note. From Health Counselor Yamoth to his trusted associate Gix. Greetings. Make these ten folk as comfortable as possible among the other patients in the quarantine cave. They present a serious hazard to the public health. The load of lumber is to be used to build beds. Nails and tools will arrive in a subsequent shipment. The city will also provide shipments of mattresses, sheets, pillows, food, and clothing to care the infirm. Use these supplies to reward those who assist you and assure compliance from the rest. In compensation to the cave community for this added burden, I request that you liberate the following 10 persons from the caves. I have selected each personally from the contribution he or she can make to the city. Let them know housing is ready for them, and they will be put to use in my own personal health corps. Congratulate them for me. Expect another set of refugees tomorrow and a similar list of folk to liberate. The supplies that accompany the new arrivals should enrich their lives and eventually the lives of all those in the caves and in Halcyon. Thank you for your continued faithful service. I will provide more serum at the end of the week. Yawmoth. Gix lowered the note and stared, disbelieving at the bloodstained pile of splinters before him. Beneath his breath, he said, Yawmoth has provided us lovely beds. Lovely beds. Six months ago, it had only been idle speculation. Now it was a fully developed mathematical proof that would transform Halcyon. Again, he had proved it. Power stones contained not only vast energies, but also vast spaces. A powerful enough stone could even contain a whole world. I am the genius of Halcyon. Glaceon paused, looking feverishly at hundreds of sheets of calculations. They lay in piles across the lapboard he had fitted into his wheelchair. Columns of numbers marched up each page, laced together with logical proofs and sketch diagrams. He had worked these theories out in lucid moments between spasms of pain and the unconsciousness that frequently followed. Some lines of reasoning continued boldly onward, though the hand that scribed them grew steadily enervated. Some sketches were only half-formed when Glaceon slumped across them. Poring over his work, he often encountered brilliant turns of logic and rigorous argumentation that he couldn't remember developing. It was as though another Glaceon collaborated with him. Despite amnesia and physical degeneration, 
Glaison had developed his most brilliant theory yet. In this model, the physical and temporal dimensions of reality are warped by energetic bombardment. When reality becomes convoluted, it traps energy so that it travels in circles instead of straight lines. Thus, the warping of reality by energy slows and solidifies that same energy. Eventually, energy and dimensional reality are compacted enough to form matter. Conversely, to change matter back into energy, as happens in the charging of power stones, is to unfold the dimensions of reality, to create space. The charging of power stones unleashes vast stores of energy by unfolding vast tracts of space. Originally, Glaison believed the introduction of any matter into that space would only cause it to collapse again. Now he knew that any new matter introduced would bring its own compacted space with it. Therefore, a large power stone contains a huge empty space into which items and persons could be introduced. Whole new worlds could be created inside power stones. I know an artifact for those new worlds, Glaceon said. He had even mapped the organizational principles of spaces within various stones. If a stone is spherical, the space within would be organized into concentric spheres, nested stacks of matter with the locus of energy at the precise center. Elaborate sketches showed the sort of nested spheres that could be built within even a small power stone. They would be floating neighborhoods in which hundreds of people could live in bright beauty and safety. Rebecca built another whole city within the power stones of her temple. At last, those who ascended need never descend again. Only one task remained, to discover a pathway in those vast spaces. Glaceon had been working that insoluble problem for the last month. Thrice he had almost taken his discovery to Rebecca, but he wanted the revelation to be complete. Energy warped space, and so drawn off would flatten it provide a momentary pathway past crystalline matter. No, the resultant explosion would destroy crystal and travel and world. All, Glaceon muttered, wrinkling the much-marked sheet before him. He held it up in a shaking fist. How to get into that crumple of space and mass? How to open the gateway? How to win back the city from Yarmouth? How to win back... Rebecca? He woke some time later, leaning back into his wheeled chair, beyond the window, the sky was inky that night. Someone had neatly stacked his sheaves of proofs on a nearby table. Someone had removed his lapboard, emptied the tubes that drained his urine, placed pillows behind his head, and set a blanket over his shoulders. Who the hell did this? Glaceon growled. The young healer Zod strode out from behind a shelf laden with serum jars. You said you were done working tonight. I said no such thing, Glaceon hissed. I was near to a breakthrough. I just nodded off for a moment. Zod's brow knitted, and he sat down the scalpel he held. No, you asked me to take you to see your wife, and then you said you were done working and wanted to sleep. What are you talking about? Glaceon growled. Where's my wife? Don't you remember? I just took- I don't care what you just did. Take me to see her. Where's my wife? Zod snorted. She's in the next room, eating her supper. Take me to her. Let me wash my hands. I've been dissecting a cat. Take me! A tight smile crossed Zod's face. Of course, I will take you. He circled around behind Glaceon, arrayed the various tubes and bags on the back of the chair, and wheeled him toward the door. En route, Glaceon snatched up the pile of manuscript and set it on his lap. As they continued down the hall, he talked with a conspiratorial excitement. I have something to show her. Yes, I know, Zod replied flatly. You did last time, too. Last time? I should have warned you. She's not dining alone. 
The smooth sweep of the infirmary walls took the diners out of sight, but their shadows showed in glowing motion, and their conversation sifted to Glaceon, a man's voice. That woman we found those months ago, the one with the torque. She would say you and Glaceon have done the same thing to the city, taken an old, fat lady and dressed her up in the illusions of youth and health, while everything turns to plague beneath. Who says such things? Rebecca's voice. In fact, what is the Thran Temple but a huge torque, casting a glamour over the city? Pardon the intrusion again, Zod said as he wheeled Glaceon into the room. But your husband asked that I bring him down here. Rebecca sat on one side of a well-spread lab table. Tureens and platters gave up the last theme in the light of half-burned candles. Rolls turned cold in their basket. On the other side of the table sat Yalmoth. Behind him, a needless fire burned, hearkening back to romantic hearths. The two broke mid-conversation toward him. Quizzical and impatiently polite, Rebecca raised her eyebrows. Hello, Glaceon. You wanted to see me? What are you doing having a candlelit dinner with... with... Not this again, she responded, lifting the napkin from her lap, crumpling it, and letting it fall across her plate. We explained all this no more than twenty minutes ago. What are you talking about? It's as if you split into two people who don't even talk to each other. Yamath nodded. Not a typical effect of the thysis. From what I've... Shut up! Glaceon growled at Yamath. He turned wrathful eyes on his wife. A candlelit dinner? When I'm sitting in the other room? Rebecca bowed her head, seeming to muster patience. I invited you to this a week ago. You said you wouldn't come if... If I'd be here, Yamoth put in. Shut up! Shut up! Glaceon demanded. And I had already asked him. It was an appreciation for his intense work on your case. Intense work? Yamoth had been working long into the night on your condition. On worsening it, Glaceon fumed. I suppose you've worked long into the night with him. Sometimes you even discuss me together in your sleep. Rebecca blanched, and her eyes grew angry. What are you trying to imply? Oh, isn't it obvious? Throw off the old genius for the new? Trade in the used-up old leopard for the man who preys on used-up old lepers? Stop it! Stop, Glaceon! Rebecca hissed. Stop before you say something you regret. I never said anything I regret. Yes, and look at you, Yamoth shouted, standing. Bitter, angry, paranoid, alone except for one person in all the world and determined to push her away too. This is how you pay back fidelity? All right, enough, both of you, Rebecca said. She rubbed her temples in pain. We've already had this argument already, just 20 minutes ago. Now dinner is done. Show us what you wanted to see. Glaceon shook his head, a petulant child. Take me back, Zod. With a sigh, the young man said, Just like last time. He pulled on the wheelchair. Wait, Zod, Yama said, striding down toward him. I don't want another dinner interrupted. You'll not have another dinner with my wife. Go, Zod. Stay, Zod, Yamoth commanded. He stooped and snatched up the pile of papers. Ah. This, he nodded, casually flipping through the pages and holding out drawings for Rebecca to look at. Ingenious, really. He's discovered that every charged power stone contains a large plane. See, here's the logic string that proves it, and a set of calculations. Give that back, Glaceon shouted. 
his hands clawed up impotently at the air. Zot, get it back. Zot strode around the wheeled chair. Yalmoth held a staying hand before him. Here. There are sketches of buildings you could build in those spaces. One foundation stone in your temple could hold 10,000 such buildings. A million people. The whole of Haosan and the caves and the people for 200 miles. Looking up from the page, Rebecca said, Glaceon, this is magnificent. Give it back. How do you know all this? Yamoth shrugged, flipping pages. You said you've been working on your own cure. I was understandably curious. You sleep a lot. I didn't even have to lift pages. They were all laid out in front of me. You're a thief. You steal other men's ideas. You claim them for your own, Glaceon roared. Look at this. Cities within cities, Rebecca marveled. There's just one catch, Yalmoth said with a gentle laugh. There's no way to get into or out of these planes. Infinite spaces that can never be reached. Give me that, Glaceon said, wrenching the papers from the hands of his tormentor. In a fit of pike, he flung back the incinerator grate and hurled the pages within. Immediately, they burst into flames. No! Rebecca shouted, falling to her knees before the incinerator. With bare hands, she raked burning pages from the fire and patted them out on the floor. Why would you do that? You don't deserve my work. The city doesn't deserve my work, Glaceon hissed. Take me out of here, Zod. Gladly, the young man responded and pulled him toward the door. Even as Rebecca hauled charred sketches and equations from the fire, Yalmoth circled the man in the wheeled chair and knelt down in his path. Here's a little something for you to think about as you look for a door into those crystals. If a plane is created whenever a power stone is charged, perhaps a power stone could be charged by absorbing an existing plane. You may also find a means of absorbing large tracts of land, even whole worlds. A doomsday weapon. As with all your discoveries, the brilliance of this new theory is cast a killing shadow. Let go! Let go! Glaceon shrieked, pounding on Yalmoth's hands. Get me out of here, Zod! Get me out of here! Yalmoth released the chair and stood letting the invalid pass. He crossed arms over his chest, shook his head, and laughed. Get over here, Rebecca called, struggling to put out the burning pages. Help me save what I can. With a casual shrug, Yamath approached. We'll save what we can. Don't worry about the rest. I've memorized much of it. I'm not the genius of Halcyon for nothing, you know. Glaceon awoke that night in his bed. Morning crouched below the horizon. He didn't remember going to bed. He didn't remember being strapped in. The last thing he remembered was sitting in the lab, waiting angrily for Yalmoth and Rebecca to finish their meal and come see his work. His work. By the light of the early morning, he could see the papers did not rest on the stand beside the bed. Whoever had put him here must have left it lying on the desk like a half-finished meal. Glaceon slipped one arm from beneath the straps, grabbed a cane, and rapped loudly on the bed frame. He had to keep up the racket for whole minutes. He, an invalid with barely the strength to breathe, before the sleepy healer on duty came from the next room. It was Zod, muzzy and ruffled. What? What is it? Go get the manuscript. Zod gave a wary sigh. What manuscript? The one I've been working on for six months, you idiot. What other manuscript? A look of dread filled the young man's eyes. Oh no, not this. Not what? Bring me the manuscript. You burned the manuscript. 
What? I was there. You threw it into the incinerator. You liar. You lying monster. Where is it? Where are you hiding it? I'm not hiding it. Ask Yamoth. Ask your wife. You're all in this together. They've got whatever left of it. Burned up bits. I can't believe it. You're trying to destroy me. Yamoth is stealing my ideas. It's not like that at all. Monsters. Damn monsters, Glaceon said. <laughs>